looking at this verse this week, this verse has just jumped out, and I can picture myself being in that group of leaders, because honestly, were they wrong? They, 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 there was an actual problem. The Bible confirms Samuel was old, his, he had appointed his sons, his sons were corrupt, from the point of view of Israel's leaders, they had no good successor coming up. They had no way out of this problem. It looked like they were going to have corrupt leadership. And they said, we don't want this. We need to make a change. And there's a lot of, especially from a human point of view, there's a lot of sense in what they're saying here. They're not wrong about the problem. They just have their own idea about how to fix it that wasn't God's way. And the title of the message this morning is, I must do something, with an exclamation point. And I apologize for not having the PowerPoints to go along with this, but I must do something. And I want to talk to you today because I have, in the course of my life, either myself or people around me have said, well, I have to do something about this situation. And usually the next thing after that is a mistake. (laughs) That panic, that fear that I have to do something, I have to fix this, and then that's usually when step out of God's will. That's usually when that's usually followed by a mistake. I've I've come to the point where I make jokes even about like, well, I hear that phrase and I'm like, well, the next thing's probably gonna be a mistake. <laughs> I know that for myself and, and I've seen that around me. And this is where these leaders of Israel are at. They're saying, Clearly we have a problem. And they're not wrong about the problem. They the Bible doesn't, doesn't dispute what the problem was. But they just have their own idea of what, how to fix it. Well, we're just going to do this instead. Not, hey, uh, Samuel, can we meet with you and pray to the Lord on what we should do about this? No, that wasn't their solution. That was, we got a plan, we've, we've got an idea, and this is what we're going to do, and we're not even going to ask God about it. We're just going to say this is what we need to do because they won a line of successors as kings, like other nations had. That took the uncertainty away, but it takes away God providing them with the right person, the right judge, the right prophet. Right, Took it out of God's hands and says, we trust our own hands more than we trust God. And be really easy to pile on them and say, shame on them, but how often do we do that? How often do we come up in our daily lives when we've got a problem and, okay, well, I have to figure out this problem. And I'll figure this out and I'll come up with a solution and I'll have my way of doing it. And do we remember to ask God what we should be doing? Do, do we have a point of view that says, uh, well, I'll just go to God with the big things. I'll just try to fix my daily life myself. Or the other way around. Well, I'll, I'll do, I have my daily routine with God, but when it comes to big things, I'm going to panic and I'm going to try to figure something out on my own. I'll give you some examples. Could be financial issues. We say, oh, I'm, we have this money issue, or we have, can be your, I mean, I'm talking personal finances. Could be your workplace. Could be, I got to get out of this job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
I'm going to quit this job and go find something else. And have we talked to God about that before we do that? It can be relationships, dating or marriages or, or otherwise, and say, ah, I'm done. I've got to get out of here. I've got to do something about this. I've got to make this change. Do we stop and ask God? And do we ask him with the patience to hear what he's saying? Churches, how often do people leave churches, get offended and leave? And afterwards, will God give me the right church to go to, but never ask, should we have left the previous one? Was it God's will for us to leave that one? We make a real mess out of things when we decide to step out on our own. That, that, that almost a panic-like trigger that says, I'm going to make a change, and it, that change doesn't involve asking God what to do and waiting for him to lead. But what if we have good intentions? I mean, we probably do, right? Was there? When's the last time you set out to say, "I'm going to make a real mess out of this"? I'm going to do. I'm going to just make a. I'm going to just make a terrible mistake. We're not trying to make terrible mistakes, right? We try to do. We always think we're doing. It always seemed like a good idea at the time. Every 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 mistake starts off with this is probably a good idea, and. Especially in church circles, there's always the, well, um, I think this is God's will. Well, I'm sure God would want me to quit this job and go find one that makes me happy, or want me to abandon this relationship, or want me to leave this church. We, deep, deep down, we, we do try to justify, well, I'm sure God wants me to do this, whether we ask him or not. We kind of just assume. We might even mean well. If you've ever if you've ever talked to been in a situation or talked to somebody who's like just just wrecked a church or just split a church apart, they think they did the right thing. They think they did what God wanted them to do, usually. Is it possible that we say we're doing the right thing for God and and be wrong? John sixteen, verse two, Jesus is telling his followers what to expect. How, how they're going to be received by some people, how they're going to be treated. He's giving them a warning. He says in John 16, 2, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Some translations say doing a favor for God. There's going to be people who actually think that they're, who believe that they are doing a service for God or doing a favor for God and they're killing Christians because that's what they think God wants to do. They may actually believe, apparently, they actually believe they're doing God's will, and yet they are completely wrong. And I know that's an extreme example, but that mindset is, not, is only so far removed from the person who, who wrecks a church or causes division in the body of Christ over an issue, believing the whole time they're right. And think they're doing God's will, even, even possibly desiring to do God's will, but so focused on their own point of view, they can't, they're not hearing from God. And Pastor Chad's been preaching recently on Saul, highly educated, desired to please the Lord, a Pharisee of Pharisees, thought he was doing God's will until he, until he came face to face with Jesus and was corrected. If that guy can be fooled, can't we? Could we be mistaken thinking that we are charging 
charging out. And, and I want to give you, I mean, I want to kind of give some practical application to this. You say, oh, what's Jason referring to? I'm talking about decisions that I've just seen over the years of, of individuals who really got out of step with, with what God was doing. And, hey, is it, is it somehow directed as... No, it's just this is just if you've been around church a while, you've seen these this happen to people. You've seen people you care about get really wrecked because they took off on an I on on I, I think God wants me to do this, but they never stopped and asked him, they never their own desires got in the way and they may have quit a job and ended up somewhere worse, or they left the relationship and ended up in something worse. Or they left the church and they ended up in something worse, and you're just like, oh, I wish that wish that person could have just relaxed for a second and asked God what to do and, and really heard from the Lord. It just it, it kind of aches inside when someone you care about suffers needlessly because they got out of the will of God. And it seemed like a good idea at the time. They felt like they had to do something to change. How did those ideas come about? It's really our own, it's not too complicated, it's really our own, our own emotions, our own desires. Whatever that situation is, it's uncomfortable. Sometimes God has us uncomfortable for a reason. He's building, he builds us up, he's, he, can, he teaches us, he conditions us to do more and more. But we say, oh, this is uncomfortable, or something about this I don't like, I'm out. I'm going to do something different. Whatever that area is of your, of your life, of our personal lives. And what do we do? We try to reinforce those ideas. Maybe we talk to somebody and they tell us we're right. Or we develop a point of view and we, uh, maybe we do research or we, we build this argument, this case to justify what we're doing. Right? We're like, oh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be in this position. Um, you know, I, surely the, I should be somewhere else and be happier. I should be in a different set of circumstances. And oftentimes we'll try to get people around us to tell us that we're right. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, if I go to Eddie and like, I tell him everything that's wrong with a certain part of my life, and shouldn't I make this change or something? And I, I know Eddie would give me would say, pray about it and seek the Lord. So that would be there, there, that would be wise counsel to go to somebody who will tell you, hey, slow down, seek the Lord's will, pray about it. Don't make an emotional decision. Don't at the moment, seek the Lord about it. But what do we what do we tell ourselves? I'm smart enough to make this decision. I'm you know I'm we honestly what we think you know people around us that make those mistakes tend to think well I'm probably smarter than them right. Well they got they were that was a dumb decision that they made. What if none of us are truly smart enough to know what to do in every situation? That really is true. None of us are smart enough to know the right thing in every situation. Let, let's, let's look at a smart guy. Let, let's take a look at a smart guy. First Kings chapter 3. And I want to look at a really smart guy, and I want to see, did he, was he able to do God's will from his own insight and wisdom and knowledge? So 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. 
So, Sol- so God says to Solomon, Solomon's a smart guy. We're going we're gonna to establish that Solomon was a really smart guy. So the Lord meets with Solomon and says, you know, asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And Solomon says, I, I, I'm like a child. I don't know how to, how to be king over these people. Give me wisdom. God's pleased with that. So verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will will there ever be. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. That sounds pretty special. I'm going to give you wisdom and discernment to where you will stand out uniquely in history, and then nobody quite like you. First Kings chapter 4 kind of gives us more to this case. What did this look like? In verse 29 of First Kings 4. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than, than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Verse 31, he goes through these other, who apparently were other well-esteemed people of the day and says Solomon were, was beyond them. His fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Verse 32 says he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Okay, any doubt that this guy is smart? This guy is smart. He's got a worldwide reputation. Yeah, pretty well established that. Was he smart enough to know in and of himself or to, or to do the right thing? Was, was it a matter of intelligence and insight that for him to know God's will? First Kings, we move on to chapter 11, and in verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Unparalleled human wisdom, insight, discernment, incredible intelligence and capacity. But we... We get on the internet and find something that agrees with us, and we feel like we're smart, right? This guy's we can't even compare to this guy's intellectual capacity. He's, he is beyond us. And yet, we, we often, growing up in church, often Solomon's kind of talked about almost like a hero, like kind of like David. Honestly, Solomon 
Solomon's, in some, many ways, a tragic story, given this incredible insight and wisdom, but he still falls away from the Lord and still disqualifies himself from being the king, the very thing he, de- he desired to be good at, he is disqualified from. And if it can happen to that guy, we might have the right desire, and yet we could end up, if we're not listening to the Lord, we could end up going astray and ruining everything. And it doesn't matter how smart you are, because this guy's about as smart as you, as you get, and he still failed. So if we can't, if, if the likes of Saul of Tarsus or the likes of Solomon are not smart enough to determine God's will, how do we stay in God's will? So I'm going to ask you, if you're facing a decision situation, even can I even say even like a political point of view or even things that you're getting in arguments over or any, whatever it is, your point of view, whatever... It's fascinating how we will we'll make a decision on what we believe and we'll go look for something, somebody to tell us we're right. And with the internet today, you can no matter what you believe, you can find somebody that'll tell you you're right. The funny thing is we'll look at those sources and if a source doesn't how do, how do we determine the credibility of a source? Well, we, we can go by intellectual standards, but what I, I'll give just a little simple rule of thumb here. If that source told you something you didn't want to hear, would it change your mind? If not, you probably, you probably don't really believe that source. It's probably just a source to tell you what you want to hear. Let's be careful because... What happens when we're trying to correct, we're trying to change somebody else's mind with a source that we would not, would not allow to change our mind? That doesn't make sense. So, what am I getting at today? I'm, I hope to encourage a humility and a patience that will say, Lord, I don't know the right thing, and I want you to tell me the right thing. And I want to hesitate on making a decision it may not even be a big decision. Now, certainly the, the application here is geared towards big decisions. It can be everyday decisions. Lord, I want you to guide my, my steps and my path. Let's go to Proverbs 3. And uh, actually, you know, if the worship team wants to go ahead and get ready, we're just going to close out here with a challenge. But I want to talk to you about Proverbs chapter 3. And Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, is one of my all-time favorite verses. And in preparation for this, I read it in context, and it came even more alive. So Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight fantastic promise how could we how could we possibly we, we we don't have the capacity to comprehend god's will how do we how do we uh get it and he says hey trust the lord don't rely on your own understanding submit to him he'll direct your paths he'll make your path straight 
He's at, he doesn't put us through this intellectual obstacle course. He just says, hey, trust me. Really trust me. Don't rely on yourself, your own understanding. What's that going to look like? That's going to look like sometimes we're going to look at a situation and we're going to have to, we're going to want to jump to a conclusion and then we're going to have to stop and say, no, I'm not going to jump to that conclusion. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to, I'm going to under, try, I'm going to be patient and try to uh, understand the situation. But most importantly, submit to the Lord and the Holy Spirit to speak to me. In all ways, submit to Him. Uh, some translations say, "In all your ways, acknowledge Him." So that just that does that mean? Oh, wait a minute! Just when I'm in trouble, uh, I'll, I'll run to Him when I'm when I have a problem, right? Now, I want to say this carefully. I really appreciate Christian radio, but some Christian radio stations you turn on, and everything is about God's going to get you out of the problem that you're in. And okay, but at some point there is living your life following God and not getting in some of those problems in the first place. <laughs> Even following the Lord, there will be hard and challenging things the Lord allows us to, to build. But if we're not following the Lord and we're getting and we're getting into and then we're like, okay, God, bail me out, in what relationship would that ever work? Would you ever do that to another person? Would you, would you want to be on the other end of that relationship? Well, this person doesn't listen to me, but they just come to me when they're in trouble. And they got themselves in trouble in the first place. They didn't listen to me. and That's not, that's not what acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways or submitting to Him in all of our ways. That's not what that looks like. That means we're following the Lord, and even by doing that, we're going to be spared from, from some bad consequences and, and troubles because we, we followed him and avoided the problems in the first place. He will make straight your paths. The Lord does things for us at times. The Lord constantly does things. I, I could spend, I could run us way over time giving you testimonies of times I've seen in my life where God provided a way that I could never have comprehended or anticipated where I got a job offer from somebody that I never would have expected it from, where uh, a financial need was met in a way that I could not have engineered. I can tell you the Lord does these things. I can testify to you the Lord will, does make straight your paths. He will direct your steps. He will do things that you're just amazed by. But it does also require, we can, we can short-circuit that. We can prevent that by seeing a situation saying, I have to do something and forcing our will onto a situation. We can miss out on that. Now I'm going to go ahead and close by reading the rest of Proverbs 3. And I'm just going to ask you to just consider, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart on what this really means for you today. So let me read the whole section. Proverbs 3, I'm going to read 5 through 12. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That, that's it right there. 
Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord's discipline, the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. God loves you in a way that I cannot put into words. As a, as a father loves a son in whom he delights. A son that, we're not talking about a strained relationship here. We're talking about this father-son relationship, a father and child relationship with you that he loves you so much. He wants to direct your steps. He wants to take you through hard things and he wants to help protect you from hard things that are unnecessary suffering and take you through constructive troubles but what he tells us to do is submit to him acknowledge him don't be wise in our own eyes don't rely on our own understanding honor him with our wealth our first fruits don't despise his discipline or his rebuke because he loves us and he will bless us I'm gonna I'm gonna close in a prayer let the worship team worship and let the Holy Spirit minister. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing here, Lord. Lord, it is exciting to see what you're doing in this church, in this body. And I pray, Lord, that this has, Holy Spirit, that you take this and have its full effect that you desire on hearts today. Those who are here, those who listen to this, if they're able to listen to a later time or whatever impact, Lord, you have for this, Lord, that it has its full impact. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. working for a seminary and I'd worked there a long time. It's actually my first job. And it got very tough. A lot of people got laid off. Another round of uh, layoffs were coming. A lot of people left and there were times I wanted to leave. There's times that well-intentioned people told me I should leave. I should get out of there. But I knew in my spirit I was supposed to stay. And I, I stayed. I stayed and I watched the Lord provide, provide the very day before I got laid off from that job, I watched the Lord provide. And once I got laid off, at, at the time I'm talking to my boss and being laid off, I was able to encourage him with, with what the Lord had provided. I'm encouraging this fellow believer in the Lord as he's laying me off from my job. That's the kind of funny things that happen when you're following the Lord and the, and the level of peace that there was. The Lord was providing. I went to the next job and the paychecks overlapped where I, I, I did not go without at all. The Lord provided every step of the way. And there were other believers and I, I know them to be well-intentioned, but there were other believers that saw what was going on and made their own decision and suffered loss and suffered suffered. Un- unnecessarily 
I, in my opinion, at least, the ones I, who did not come through that unscathed. They came through, they were bitter at that place, or they were mad at this or that, and I walked, was able to walk through, not of my own ability. It was the Lord's, and all glory goes to Him. He brought me through that situation just listening to Him. He brought me through unscathed, and, and my faith encouraged and built up even more because I watched Him work through that whole situation where others were beat, were harmed by that situation. And the only difference I could point to is just following the Lord and not my own desires because my own desires would have made a mess of that situation. I want to encourage you with that. The Lord really will provide. You need to listen to Him. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss us, but if at any point if you anybody needs prayer or wants uh, needs ministry time, please don't be in a hurry. If you need something, we'll rally around you and pray for you. At any point, you know we're you know we're a praying church. Everybody here knows we're a praying church. I'll go ahead and close us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much. Continue to work in us. Thank you for the testimonies, Lord, to your glory of how you've provided and brought us through situations. I know there are several of those testimonies in this room right now. Remind us, Lord, those who are going through a tough decision, remind them of how you have provided, that they that we all trust in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, be with those, be with us as we leave. Bless the Evansville service as well today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.